Today, I'm starting a message series about a voice that is still speaking for many people. It's called The Last Lecture. Now, how many of you, just a show of hands, know the story of Randy Pausch? All right. That's my hope. That's my hope, because I wanted this message series to be really an opportunity for us to study and learn together. You see, as Unitarian Universalists, I can't just say, turn your Bibles and, you know, so-and-so chapter of Mark, chapter of Matthew, Isaiah, whatever it is, and know that you will know it. And indeed, I don't think any of you have Bibles in your hands. And so it's a great opportunity for us to sort of learn together off of a common text throughout the next month. I'll tell you just a few things about the last lecture. It was delivered on September 18th, 2007, just a little over a year ago. And as many of you know, Randy Pausch at that point had been diagnosed for over a year with pancreatic cancer. And if any of you know about pancreatic cancer, as I know some of you know really quite intimately, it is one of the worst forms of cancer that you can have as a human being. The five-year survival rate stands at about 4%. It is very, very difficult to survive. And after some very aggressive treatments early on in the summer of 2006, Randy Pausch got the news a year later that he would probably not be, almost definitely not be, in that 4% who would survive. And he did, in fact, die this past July 25th of this year at age 47. Now, Randy Pausch, as many of you know, he was a computer science professor at Carnegie Mellon. And they had a tradition that goes back, as I understand it, very long of the final time that a professor would teach, would be in front of his or her students at the university. They would give what was called the last lecture. The only issue was, in fact, that was changed to a really lame name called Journeys. But really, in fact... It was Randy Pausch's last lecture that he was giving in September of 2007. And at first, what it was titled, it was called Really Achieving Your Childhood Dreams. And that was expanded into a book. And over the next month, we, and I encourage you to really read it, read along. It doesn't take long. It is very, very rich, but it will not take you a long time. So let's do to get this together as a spiritual practice. Maybe promise with you right now. If you haven't read it already or haven't seen the video, please see the video. But, you know, what? read the book because there's more in the book than just what's in the actual last lecture itself. It'll be our common text. It'll be our opportunity to learn and study together. Now, today is just an overview of Randy Pausch and a few of the things that he talks about. And what I want to do first is just show you who he was. I think many of you know already. But this is the book. This is the last lecture. You can get it easily. And actually, two weeks from today, we will be giving it away. We like to do that a little bit every once in a while with those cards, if you fill them out. So two weeks from today, that will be the giveaway gift. Show the next one, please. And that's Roundy Pash himself. I believe it was Good Morning America. As many of us know, this got a tremendous amount of publicity. And then finally, that's his family. That's his wife, Jay, children, Dylan, Logan, and Chloe. And one additional thing. Did you know that he was a Unitarian Universalist? He was. He was. And so this upcoming message series I start today is an opportunity not just to explore his wisdom, but the fact that his wisdom that he shared in the last lecture, in the video, and in the book, he really touches upon some of the absolutely most wonderful parts of our living tradition and indeed because we are a tradition that believes revelation is unsealed that as emerson put it god speaketh not spake it's not done it's not over randy pausch contributed 
to our understanding of the wisdom of this unfolding universe. He captures so much of the best of our tradition. But that isn't what he set out to do. If you know about him, you know what he really wanted to do? He knew especially his youngest children, his youngest child, probably wouldn't remember too much about who he was. His pictures, a vague memory. And so what he wanted to do was leave a time capsule. He wanted to leave a message in a bottle so that his kids could see their dad, that they would still hear him still speaking as they grew up. Now, what he did was much more than just leave a time capsule for his kids. When Hyperion signed him for the book, The Last Lecture, they paid his family $6.7 million. This really has become an amazing phenomenon. And it has so much staying power, so much more than just as we would think of a message in a bottle, you know, metaphorically tossed into the sea, hoping someone will find the message someday. Last time I checked on YouTube... There have been over seven and a half million views of this video. And if you know, it's not a quick one. It's not like that five-second dramatic gopher. Do you know that one? (laughs) This is not one of those. This is a truly viral video with wisdom, not a phenomenon in the sense of flash in the pan, but truly something that invites people to reflect with deeper wisdom and deeper insight upon, upon their lives. Bless you. What he wanted to do with this time capsule, with this message in the bottle. He wanted to leave behind something of himself. And this, I think, is one of the most common of any of our human urges. If any of you remember that movie Shawshank Redemption, you perhaps remember the old character Brooks. And he just couldn't quite make it on the outside. And so before his life ended, what did he do? He took a knife out and he carved almost like one of these wooden beams here, by the way. um, This being not our space Please don't get any ideas. But he carved his name. Brooks was here. We all want to find a way to do that in this life. To say we are here. Now there are better and worse ways to do this. When I used to live in South Florida, maybe because a lot of people in South Florida are really new to South Florida and the culture is still sort of growing, it was very hard to walk into anything like an art museum and not find someone's name like on the thing, saying the so-and-so memorial, etc. I remember once I was in the Boca Museum of Art, and I sat literally on the Fred Smith bench. And then after I got off the Fred Smith bench, I went to the Susan Morris watering fountain. I thought, this really could be taken to some odd extremes. Maybe the Scott Simonson bathroom, with the phrase, he offered relief to all who knew him. <laughs> Sorry. I'll be here every Sunday. The joking aside, the joking aside, there is a deeper truth. There are many ways to leave our names behind. But the issue is, especially those names I saw in the Boca Museum, the name remained, but not the meaning. The name remained, but not the meaning of the life. The most meaningful memorials are always missional. They always draw people back to the life that was lived so they can hear of the life and tell the story and know the meaning. Understand the life and hear the story of the life and hear the meaning of the life. That's how the best memorials work. In fact, sometimes some of us so anxious to be remembered will want to think, you know what, I want to do something that will have me remembered forever. And I will give you some guidance on this for your name to be remembered forever. 
do something absolutely wonderful or do something devastatingly horrible. Think about it. The people who are remembered hundreds, thousands of years after their time on this earth, they did things that were gorgeous and they did things that changed humanity and they do things that a lot of people knew about or they wrecked something really, really wonderful. They caused a lot of damage. So if you want to guarantee the immortality of your name, be great or be awful. We will try to give you help on the first part. If you're plotting the latter part, we need to talk. (laughs) But really, if what you're after is not the immortality of your name, but the immortality here on this earth of your meaning, then I don't think we need to worry very much. Not if we're doing things on a regular basis. Not if we are asking ourselves the question on a regular basis, What am I giving my life to that is larger than just my life and into which my life ultimately can be absorbed? Augustine, almost 2,000 years ago, in addition to unfortunately giving us the doctrine of original sin, which we're not so grateful for, especially as Unitarians and Universalists, he said these words, which I've always loved. And he addressed them in prayer to his understanding of God. He said, our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. And I think whatever your name for the holy, whatever your name for God, I think that is a universal human longing to recognize how restless our hearts can be until they rest in something beyond themselves. Hearts resting in some things beyond themselves. That is the ultimate aim of any spirituality, of any true religion. And I must encourage you, if you have some anxiety about that today, asking yourself, what is my heart resting in that is larger than me? I want to encourage you to start today. Encourage you to ask yourself that question. Yes, the last lecture, Randy Pausch, has been seen millions, millions of times. But I got to tell you, Randy Pausch's name will only be recalled and his wisdom will only be recalled many generations from now if what he spoke now makes sense then. At some point, the beautiful part of his story, the tragical part of his story will be forgotten. But his words can continue to bless if his wisdom stands the test of time. Now, how many of you have actually sat through the whole hour and 40 minutes of the last lecture? There's really nothing absolutely earth-shaking in that video. And that's why it's so gorgeous. Really achieving your childhood dreams. A guy talking about how he wanted to grow up and play in the NFL and didn't get the chance. But what he learned from his coach when he was nine years old. A guy who wanted to be an astronaut but didn't. But then because he was a college professor, had the opportunity to fly up in one of those planes that became a zero-gravity machine. He did get the opportunity to do that. A kid who visited Disneyland, maybe Disney World, when he was a youngster, and got the opportunity on a sabbatical to be one of the Disney Imagineers. His story gives rise and speaks to so many of our own hopes, whether they were dreams that were absolutely achieved or dreams that were deferred in some way but still achieved in others. There's a really interesting moment at the start of the video, if you've seen it, 
They're talking about today's journey will be given by Randy Pausch. There's another faculty member. And we hear a name really quickly. The next journey, and I pity this poor person, Roberta Klatsky will go next. Like, who the hell is Roberta Klatsky? As someone once said, they're like those poor performing chimps that came on before the Beatles the first time they were on the Ed Sullivan show. She's sort of a footnote to this whole great last lecture. But I wonder, I wonder, and I'm going to search for it now, I wonder what Roberta Klatsky said. Because she could have made exactly the same contribution to the wisdom of our world that Randy Pausch did. And her name is in many ways not clearly on our lips, but does not have to be an afterthought. But I think that's okay to Roberta Klatsky, because she is a true teacher. That's the ultimate value of the last lecture, is that it's a teacher teaching for the last time. One last opportunity to give his wisdom in the place that he was beloved and in the place that he loved. Randy Pausch remained a teacher right up to the end of his life. And I think actually in many ways what he did in that last lecture is he followed the advice of what Emerson said a long time ago to preachers. He said, give them your life. Give them your life. Pass through the fire of thought. Randy Pausch gave us his life. Pass through the fire of cancer, of life that knows death, and yet is able to return to life. He gave us his life. Life passed through the fire of his experience, purified and made an offering. There's a really cool thing that the minute he comes on the stage in the video, everyone just stands and gives him a standing O. And his response is, make me earn it. And someone shouts out, not as a plant, someone shouts out absolutely authentically, you already have. You already have earned it. You see, if Randy Pausch had been a jerk who was dying in his mid-40s of pancreatic cancer, no one would have cared. No one would have cared about this last lecture. But he prepared for his death as he lived his life. Obviously with a lot more urgency and a little more clarity. Imminent death, I've seen this many times, imminent death has a way of doing that to us all. A final chance to awaken but ultimately, the beauty of Randy Pausch's story is that there was congruency between the death lived up to the time, the life lived up to the time of his death and the death when it was arriving. That's why it made sense that he gave a last lecture. I've heard some people asking, almost like, uh, what's that movie with Robert Redford and uh, Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore and they, the, the million-dollar thing, a million dollars tonight with your wife? What would you do? You remember when people were asking that each other's question? Well, now they've turned into a slightly more positive thing. What would your last lecture be? I think that's the wrong question, unless you're a teacher, unless you're someone who regularly teaches. What I'd ask you, because remember, Randy Pausch offered his last lecture with the integrity of the gifts he lived his life with. So what is your, or what would be your last plant? What would be your last garden? What would be your last recipe? What would be your last song? See, the blank, that's for you to fill in. If there's a values clarification exercise here, it is the opportunity for all of us to say, if we ourselves were facing what Randy Pausch and his family had to face, what would our last blank 
fill in the blank, be. Because what he was doing, he was sharing his gifts right up until the end. Because Randy Pausch had what I like to call a first-person relationship with the universe. He was not taking it on someone's advice or from some book, although he didn't deny the value of those. He had a first-person relationship with this universe. It's kind of what we say at Wellsprings, our own words here and our values and our beliefs. The burning bush is blazing everywhere. The fire has not gone out. Wisdom is still alive here in our time. And we are invited to find our voice within that wisdom. Indeed, I think that's the most important thing any of us can do here, is to have that first-person relationship with this life and with this universe. I'm going to close with Emerson, and I think it fits so perfectly how Randy Pausch lived and also how he died. This applies to all of us, even though, well, Emerson is just talking about himself. He wrote, the wealth of the universe is for me. Everything is explicable and everything is practical for me. And listen to this final sentence. I am defeated all the time. Yet to victory, I am born. We are defeated all the time. And yet to victory, all of us can be born. Amen. May you live in blessing.